Hey, Rookie Big Board listener, before we get to this episode, I want to make sure you know about the 2022 Rookie Guide. Volume 1 is out now. It is over 130 pages, chock full of rookie insight, 90 player profiles, mock drafts, player values, comparison to Devi and Dynasty value, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash the FF Educator and get your copy now. episode 99 of the rookie big board we are just a few days prior to the 2022 nfl draft if you're listening to this episode we could be one day prior it could be draft day this is my plant your flag episode we're talking my guys on this episode i've selected eight players but i think it's important not to just plant your flag on guys you think are going to hit but also to plant your flag on guys that you're fading, right? So what I'm going to do here is actually go round by round and give one player at their current uh, ADP that I will be consistently uh, planting my flag on and gaining a high exposure to, the my guys, and also a player in each round, each of the first four rounds, we're doing a standard, this isn't the six-round mock draft, we're just doing four rounds, but I'm going to do one guy in each round here that I'm fading, we're going to have very little exposure to, uh, and for the purposes of this episode, I want to point out that I am using uh, Fantasy Pros uh, Rookie Consensus Rankings, so I figured I'd use an external source here, trying not to use my own rankings when I'm talking about fading and buying into players, right? So trying to get a, a neutral source, Fantasy Pros, great site, a lot of good rankers there. So I decided that that was a good reference point. Now, I want to point out here, I've said I'm using the Fantasy Pros rankings. I'm not fading their rankings. I think they're reflecting consensus. I'm fading consensus, not these rankings in particular. So let's go ahead and jump into it. I'm sure you are not surprised by my first round selection here Chris Alave at 109 Chris Alave is a smash value for me I will be getting high 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 exposure to Chris Alave if I am on the board at 109 in a super flex rookie draft and these are all super flex ADPs here I've translated the rankings into ADP. So uh, Chris Olave is ninth, uh, which I do think reflects consensus. You're looking at the patron mock drafts we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. Chris Olave has consistently slid to this territory, right? I'm taking him 100 out of 100 times. I would be thrilled to get Chris Olave at 109. We're talking about a very well-rounded wide receiver. We're talking somebody with a a great skill set, a quick off the line of scrimmage, separates consistently right off the line of scrimmage with a great release, great first step, uh, works well downfield, great, great hands, 
excellent pass catching ability. We're projecting uh, 10 to 20 overall NFL draft capital for Chris Olave, my wide receiver one. So needless to say here, this is a flag plant for me. You look at Chris Olave, and this is somebody who I have seen as a first round selection. I thought he could have came out in the 2021 NFL draft, you know, up against guys like Devontae Smith there in the first round, Jamar Chase in the first round. And I think Chris Olave would have been uh, a back half of the first round NFL draft selection and a lot of folks are really high on Chris Olave then he kind of got a consensus fade from the analytics side of things here because he had that later declare age and he had less of a market share right relative to some of these other guys in the Ohio State offense I gotta tell you folks if you're pitting yourself consistently up against Garrett Wilson an excellent wide receiver in his own right in this draft class. Jackson Smith and Jigba, who very well is pushing to be the consensus wide receiver one in next year's draft. He'll have to compete with Kayshawn Boutte from LSU. But nonetheless, Jackson Smith and Jigba, an extremely talented wideout. And then, remember, Chris Olave also beat out Jamison Williams, forced him to transfer to Alabama. So Chris Olave is a very good player. I'm not knocking him on having to share touches and opportunity with that extremely talented group of wide receivers. Everything to me shouts, check marks across the board. Chris Olave nails all of my markers in not in the exact same way because Jalen Waddle went a little cheaper, uh, you know, pushing further down Justin Jefferson. He went a little cheaper, but Chris Olave's value is reminding me a lot of these guys. Remember, this is kind of where CeeDee Lamb was going off the board, you know, this 108 to 110 territory. And so these are these are kind of been my wide receivers of the last three years. And, and I'm not saying I have a 100% hit rate when it comes to wide receivers, right? Like I hyped up Terrace Marshall last year. I drafted him a lot in the second round. But these kind of wide receivers that I've planted my flag on had a pretty good track record over the last few years. So I feel confident with Chris Olave at 109. I absolutely love that value. I am ready to plant that green flag. Let's go ahead though and plant that red flag for a player gaining first round super flex ADP that I am going to have virtually no exposure to. Now, two quick prefaces. There is always a point of value where I will take a player, right? So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm fading them specifically at the ADP that they're registering at right now in terms of consensus here, as close to consensus as we can perceive. And the other thing is, and I want to point this out because I feel like folks get a little testy about this sometimes. Every player that I'm fading for fantasy football I hope succeeds. I hope they have a great NFL career. I am hope I'm wrong about every player that I fade. But if I sat here and never told you all a player that I was fading, <laughs> then you wouldn't listen to me, right? It would just be all rainbows and sunshine. And we know statistically more of these guys are going to miss and they're going to hit. So I have to sit here and tell you guys that I'm going to fade. But I hope for their own success and personal, you know, growth that, that they hit. But... I'm fading Desmond Ritter, with all that being said, at 110, 110 right now. And that is a reflection of, of what I've been seeing here. Uh, Desmond Ritter, to me, has way more red flags here, uh, appropriate with this exercise, uh, than he does uh, green flags. All right, so I think folks are perceiving first-round draft capital for Desmond Ritter. First, first and foremost, I don't think he's going to get that. 
I think he's going to be a top end of the second round pick. Look in the 40s, like Seattle's there. There's some teams in the 50s that could go after him. Uh, but even if he does get first round draft capital, let's say he does. Jordan Love got first round draft capital. So, you know, there's that. You look at Desmond Ritter. We have a four-year starter. And I've talked about this fairly extensively. So I don't want to sound like a broken record, especially because a lot of folks uh, do listen in to each and every episode or each and every, you know, kind of, you know, really kind of have ever heard this spiel before. So I'm going to try not to sound like a broken record. But my red flags with Desmond Ritter, he's inaccurate passing outside of the numbers. Passing over the middle of the field, he's inconsistent, right? In terms of his mechanics, he short arms his throwing motion consistently. He does not feel pressure well in the pocket. He leaves his body open while throwing too often, right? These are major red flags for somebody who has started four years at the college level. Desmond Ritter is not a raw prospect. You could not be more hypothetically pro-ready. And if you have spent four years as a starter in college, and you should be pro-ready, and you don't feel comfortable calling him pro-ready, then he is not somebody that you should be drafting at 110. I would much rather take Sam Howell at his value early in the second round, right? That's kind of where his rookie ADP has been going. The last point that I've tried to make really consistently is the way that Desmond Ritter uh, showed his athleticism and speed at the college level is not going to be the way that he's going to be asked to do that at the pro level. So if you're drafting Desmond Ritter uh, to be a scrambler type quarterback that's going to gain a ton of yards, you're going to be disappointed. Now, if you're hoping for four to six rushing touchdowns a season as his ceiling, that's possible. Desmond Ritter could hit that if he ends up the starter of an NFL team and if they design red zone packages for him, right? That's best case scenario. But he's not racking up six, seven, eight hundred rushing yards a season. That's just not going to be the type of quarterback that Desmond Ritter is. If you want a dual threat quarterback in this year's draft, look for Malik Willis or heck, look for Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell is still a better dual threat prospect than Desmond Ritter necessarily is. All right, second round, back to the green flags here. And this one's a little bullish, I gotta tell you, just in terms of the actual ADP that he's coming in at. But I'm gonna plant my second round flag on Sky Moore. There's a ton of wide receivers that I like, but I feel like Sky Moore is somebody who, despite the fact that he's gotten a good amount of hype, does still feel like a little bit of a bold stance to take here. At 201, Sky Moore is an electric film review. He's got sharp footwork, he's a crisp route runner, he he has excellent hands what i really like about sky Moore here he understands you can see him dissect a defensive back he beats defensive backs in a variety of ways he can win off the line of scrimmage he can beat him with speed and he can go up and high point a ball you look at his high school recruiting profile and you'll notice that sky Moore was actually recruited as a defensive back he played defensive back and wide receiver in high school and you can tell because he understands where the defensive back wants to be and he beats them there he has excellent ability to dominate along the outside for western michigan now he's undersized to play boundary in the nfl so i think he's going to be more in that z or y type role but if Sky Moore ends up capturing top 50 draft capital, then he is going to be somebody that I'm willing to be bullish on. I'm willing to go up and get him at 201 and be really happy with that decision. So it's a little bit of a, of a higher risk factor here, but there's plenty of upside with Sky Moore, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan, and I'm going to go ahead and plant that green flag. 
All right, a wide receiver here. Uh, folks have been following along through this whole uh, journey. You probably already knew which wide receiver that I was going to plant the red flag on here. The fade, zero exposure to Clemson's Justin Ross if he gets the 210 ADP that he's registering at for the purpose of this exercise here. And again, I want to reiterate, I'm not just taking guys that I'm reading off of uh, th this particular site from, right? This is a reflection of a lot of the rookie drafts I've seen and a lot of the comments, uh, both on Twitter uh, and on YouTube that I've been seeing in terms of how folks feel about Justin Ross. I understand. I do understand because there are guys in the past that I have been uh, rather headstrong about. I've made up my mind early on in the process and I've just kind of put my blinders on and said, this is somebody that I am going to like and I'm going to go after. And I get it. You go back to his freshman year film and Justin Ross has excellent film. He's dominating. He's playing well along the boundaries, showing great athleticism. He's showing an excellent ability to go and play above the rim and beat defenders and looks absolutely phenomenal, right? You understand why folks fall in love with Justin Ross. I was, I was there. But it's also important to understand that you can fall in love with a player and you could try to get high exposure to him without pushing up his ADP, without reaching. If you took Justin Ross in 10 rookie leagues and you took him in the fourth round, early fourth round in all of those rookie leagues, I would say go ahead and go get your guy. But at 210 in this year's draft class with these wide receivers, you're going to pass on potentially John Mechie, who could be there at 210. You're going to pass on potentially a guy like Alec Pierce, who could be there at 210. You're going to pass on some of these running backs who could grab day two draft capital. You're going to pass on Zamir White, Brian Robinson, James Cook for Justin Ross. I'm not willing to do it at 210. Justin Ross... Uh, scares me for a couple reasons. Of course, the medical history, but remember, he's coming off of the foot injury too. We've not seen as much from him in the pre-draft process as we would like. Really inconsistent film, a post-injury here. I don't expect him to get the NFL draft capital. Listen, if Justin Ross ends up being a top 100 pick, I'm going to eat my words. I'm probably going to do it pretty publicly here because I've said it really consistently. I expect Justin Ross to be a lot closer to round six than he is round three, right? Probably round five, maybe round four, I think is best case scenario for Justin Ross. I hope I'm wrong. This is an excellent example of I hope I am wrong. I would love the story. I would love it for Justin Ross. If he comes back, if he produces, if he is a fantasy football asset. And everybody who takes him at 210 will justifiably do their victory laps, but it won't be me because I won't have exposure to him if he holds this 210 ADP planting the red flag on Justin Ross. Let's move into the third round here. Y'all know these third round picks can hit and be just as valuable as these, maybe not just as valuable as these first round picks, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a guy, a third, fourth round flag plant uh, from a couple years back now, and he is still controversial on Twitter, but I have so much Gabriel Davis. He helped me win multiple championships last year as a flex fill-in guy that I got in the third round, right? Because he was just one of these guys that I was planting my flag on. I love Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. Currently registering with a 307 ADP. Absolute smash, smash green flag. Alec Pierce has the ability to win along the boundary. 
fantastic athleticism when you combine that with his size he's somebody who could absolutely dominate as an x type wide receiver especially if he's paired up with a quarterback with a big arm i love his contested catch ability i love his sticky hands we could develop that route running a little bit more but quite frankly if you just let him run the curl route in the vertical he's going to do very well in the nfl he's going to do very well for himself the key with alec pierce is can we project him into touchdown volume right a touchdown opportunity because I don't know that he's going to be the guy that gets 100 targets a season, right? It might be more in that uh, 60 to 80 range. So can he be in a position where he's consistently putting up, you know, six to nine, six to 10 uh, touchdowns a season? That's going to be the difference maker. But the fact that I'm even talking about Alec Pierce in this way should reflect how I feel about him. I'm talking about a third round rookie player who really could return value similar to a guy at the top of the second round. I think we're going to be shocked when we see Alec Pierce's NFL draft capital, uh, he is a D2 lock for me right now. And I wouldn't be shocked if he's a top 50 selection. So I'm so, so excited for Alec Pierce when it comes to the NFL draft. I am planting that green flag. Planting the red flag just one pick later. It's Wandale Robinson, even at 308. What an absolute slide in value. And I did not expect Wandale Robinson to get this low in terms of consensus, but this is something I've talked really consistently about. You have to proceed with caution when you have high manufactured touch wide receivers, right? We've seen consistently that these guys that get force fed the ball with an, an overload of screens and overload of, of handoffs and end arounds. Uh, some of these guys have really struggled to produce for fantasy football relevancy. You even look at a guy like Rondale Moore, right? Rondale Moore did was really efficient in his work, but he had a really, really a low yards per target rating this past year, right? Because in, in it, it translated to a lack of touchdown production and a real lack of general opportunity, right? There's going to be a cap ceiling and you're not drafting players, especially in the third round. You're not drafting players in your Superflex rookie drafts to be low ceiling players. If you're going to hit on a dart, you want to hit on that dart. And it feels like for me, Wandale Robinson is a really fun player. He could be a great NFL player. He could contribute well to an NFL offense. I just can't confidently project a world with the size that he weighed in at or he size that he measured in at and just his overall profile here i don't see him as a difference maker at the next level i don't see that projection it feels like a leap to make that so we can appreciate him as an awesome college player as somebody who uh you know had a lot of debbie hype at one point and also proceed with reasonable expectations if you get him uh, in the fourth round stash him on your bench okay you know he may have some opportunity to flex in there but I'm not going to be taking him in the third round because there's still a lot of players left on the board that I like, including the player that I'm going to green uh, green flag plant here for my fourth round selection, and that is tight end Jeremy Rucker. I got to tell you, the closer and closer we get to the NFL draft, the more and more I talk myself into Jeremy Rucker. I think he is an excellent pass catcher. I think he has the ability to be a red zone target at the next level. He's a two-way tight end, so I think he's going to hit the field quickly as a blocker in the NFL. I think the NFL really likes him. I don't, you know, I wouldn't put money on this, but I wouldn't be shocked if Jeremy Ruckert is the first tight end taken in the 2022 NFL draft. Maybe he won't be, but I do feel fairly confident projecting him as a top 100 selection here in the NFL draft. And if that happens, he's going to have draft capital. He's going to have pass catching ability. We talked about the Ohio State offense. I'm not knocking him. 
for not overflowing the box score there at Ohio State with the weapons in that offense. So I think there's a lot to like, uh, you know, past Trey McBride and, you know, to a degree, Greg Dolchich and Kate Otten to a degree, you know, there's not going to be guys that are necessarily going to stand out as tight ends in this draft class. And so if you can get a value on Jeremy Ruckert at 401, that's where I'm looking at spending at tight end. I talked about the players that I like in the second round. I don't think I'm going to be willing to pay for Trey McBride. I think he's going to be a fine fantasy football player, but I don't think I'm going to be willing to. I'd rather wait a couple rounds here and take a shot on Jeremy Ruckert, especially if I can get him at the start of the fourth round. And then the last guy out here you know there's a variety of guys and I don't want to beat up on anybody in the fourth round but you know just seeing Kennedy Brooks go off the board in, in a fairly decent amount of drafts I think sometimes you know folks kind of you know know names from or, or look up production and you know, guys kind of jump out to them, but you know, Kennedy Brooks, I believe, was the second lowest uh, running back tape eval for me. <laughs> Poor Cameron Harris uh, was was the lowest, if I'm remembering correctly. So I believe Kennedy Brooks was 34 at 35 in the 2022 rookie guide. And, you know, not a commercial here, but you can get that rookie guide. We dig really deep. Even Kennedy Brooks has a profile, patreon.com slash the FF educator. And of course, the updated version comes out Sunday after the NFL draft. Uh, but, you know, you look at Kennedy Brooks here, I just see a Jag profile. He's probably going to go undrafted. Drafted. I don't think he's going to register with rookie ADP. So again, I don't even want to beat up on him, but he has been somebody I've kind of consistently seen, you know, be this late dart throw. And I just think that there's so many good players. You know, I, I can talk 25, 30 wide receivers deep that I think have a shot of being impact players in the NFL. And so if I'm taking a, a fourth round shot and it's not on a guy like Jeremy Rucker, it's probably going to be on a wide receiver because there's a lot of guys I like there. Uh, and, you know, I tried to limit that. Uh, you know, I could, I could talk about upside and players I like and plant a lot of flags but i tried to limit this episode to be quick succinct and it is episode 99 i gotta tell you episode 100 i am beyond excited for it will release uh wednesday before the nfl draft so depending on when you're listening to this that could be today that could be yesterday um it can't be tomorrow but i'm so excited for that episode it is episode 100 it is a big one i will say and because it's a big one, you'll understand when you when you hear it, it will be audio only. So if you're somebody who usually, who usually listens to video, this one will be audio only. Make sure you head on over to uh, your favorite podcast provider, Rookie Big Board, and subscribe over there as well. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. As always, if you enjoy it, give it a like. Uh, if you're watching, if you're listening, subscribe. Make sure you're subscribed, leaving a review, all that good stuff. We are days away, maybe a day away, maybe zero days away from the 2022 NFL Draft. As always, I appreciate you checking out this episode of the Rookie Big Board.